Father, we thank you for tonight. God, I'm thankful uh, for these high school students. We love them a ton. Uh, and in your grace, uh, you've given them to this church and to these leaders uh, that we might, in our best efforts, shape them in the disciples of Jesus. And so we pray that tonight that you would um, make us into disciples of Jesus. God, that your spirit would speak loudly into the furthest depths of our souls, that it would awaken the parts of us that we don't even know were there, um, that it would call out the darkest parts of us that we didn't even know that were there, and that we would leave this room with a better understanding of who Jesus is and um, how he wants us to see him. And so, Father, tonight we love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're in John chapter 19 tonight. And, dude, I am going to. I can feel it. It's already almost happened twice. Okay. Uh, John chapter 19, if you have one of the chair Bibles, that's page 616. Uh, so that way you don't have to flip around, just 616. And we're going to be in verse um, 16b. So 16 begins right above the headline that says the crucifixion. We're going to read the second half of it. That's right below it, where it says, then they took Jesus away. We're starting a series called Golgotha because we're looking at the perspectives of the cross. And Golgotha, as our text will tell us in a little bit in verse 17, is called the place of the skull. It's where they take Jesus for this crucifixion moment. There's all kinds of people present from different backgrounds, um, racially, ethnically, religiously, um, from different hierarchical powers. There's all these different people present. And we want to figure out how do people respond and how would Jesus have us respond? And it reminds me of, and I've talked about this, this trip before a little bit up here, um, when I was in college, and uh, I, was, I guess I was 20 then, so it was the summer after my sophomore year of college. Um, does that sound right? Awesome. Thank you, Haley. You're amazing. I love you. I'm so glad I married you. Um, and that summer, me and some friends decided we were going to go on a bike journey from Virginia Beach to Georgetown, Texas, a little over 2,000 miles of bicycle riding. I do have to say bicycle, even though no one says bicycle, because some people historically have been like, like motorcycles? And I'm like, does it look like I've ever ridden a motorcycle? Do I have that kind of street cred? I do not think so. <laughs> and so we... we Decided we were going to do that. We were raising money for a nonprofit that helped cancer patients at the time. And, and, and I'll be honest, sometimes when I tell that, they're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Listen, I just wanted to ride my bike across the country. And the best way to do it without getting checked into some serious counseling is to say you're raising money for something. And so we just combined the two, and that was our best efforts. Um, so we get in, we're going on this trip, we drive a truck and a trailer, it's kind of our support vehicle, all the way out to Virginia Beach, 24 hour drive. We drive straight through the night. We camp out, and then we begin on this journey. What we found out very quick is it was the most miserable 26 days of our entire lives. That being said, I would absolutely do it again. Uh, but, I mean, it was, it was brutal. It rained all the time. Like, we would just lay our first night, water pulled into our tents, and we just woke up in puddles. Our sleeping bags were wet, and then we had to get up and ride a bike all day. Um, like, it rained all the time. We would just go to sleep with storms, and then we'd wake up and have to ride in the rain. There's a clip somewhere on the internet um, afterwards of me falling on the side of a highway and my head coming, like, this close to an 18-wheeler. I was just almost smashed like a grape. Uh, that's, that's my wife's favorite story for me to tell. Um, but that's for another time. So on this trip, well, one day, uh, we're getting to, like, uh, somewhere in the Smoky Mountains, and we're kind of around there, and my dad is just as overbearing as all of your parents. He loves the Lord, he loves me, but, man, he's really concerned about his son's safety. That's a good thing, but it's not a fun thing when you're 20 years old. So I get a text almost every day of, like, a weather update, as if Apple was not already taking care of that via the apps. And so uh, I'm getting texts, and we get, like, one sunny day. 
I mean, it was beautiful. And we had ridden like 70 miles on the day. We're just ticking along. We get to lunch, best part of the day, because you just sit there and demolish as much food as possible. And then if you're really quick, like if you eat really fast, like it's your last meal ever, you get like a 10-minute nap before you got to get back on the bike. So I loved it. Well, that day, I'm getting these texts, and I'm getting them, and, and my dad is texting me, like, hey, you need to watch that weather. It's going to be really bad. And I'm like, this is the most beautiful day we've had. What do you mean? Like, all the other days were bad weather days. This is the good weather day. And so I start to look at it, and it's like, all of a sudden, there's all these tornado warnings, and, or t tornado watches, warnings. I mean, that's, but a watch, that's just maybe, maybe tornadoes, maybe not. We don't know. And so I'm getting all these, well, the whole time, Haley is also traveling across the country at the time, working with a camp called Student Life. And I'm texting her, and I'm like, I don't know, my dad's tripping out about tornadoes. And she's like, whatever you do, please don't get back on that bike. Because she knew who she was dating at the time. And I was like, I really want to get back on that bike. And so me and my buddies are sitting around, and we're like, it's dangerous, but we're 20. Like, we ain't going anywhere. Uh, and also, like, I'm not worth anything financially to anybody. And, like, now as a dad, I'm like, I don't even walk out the front door with a gust of wind, lest my, like, my daughters just hear stories about me one day. And so, but then I'm like, ah, who cares? This is the time to go. So we strap on our GoPros. We're videoing the whole thing. So we're like, we are going to ride into the storm. Right, some of you watched some of the tornado stuff in Central Texas, and while everyone else was like really concerned for the state, some of you were like, saddle up, boys, let's go. Like, you're that kind of crazy. And so we go in, and we just start riding. And we're just pedaling as fast as we can, trying to cover as much ground as possible before like, the storm gets really bad. And we ride up, and we're at the top of this mountain, and we can overlook like, this huge valley below. And off in the distance, it looks like Thanos is declaring war on creation. I mean, it is just darkness blackness, and we just go, huh. And you, like right before tornadoes, when it's really warm, you can all of a sudden feel it get really cold. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh. And about that time, a minivan comes driving up over this hill. And I'm like, that's a minivan full of children. I'm sure it's safe. And as it comes up over the hill, with it comes 50 mile per hour winds, and it just knocks us off our bikes. And I go straight from, this is fun, to, we did. Uh, I'm like, this is the end. Like, I can't, I don't have cell phone service. I can't even call anybody for last words. I turn around, my buddy, who's in way better shape than me, like insanely better shape than me, is just pedaling off as fast as he can, riding like 50 miles an hour on his bicycle with the back winds from the tornado, just And I'm looking, and I panic, because I'm like, I'm not catching that dude. And there's all these ditches on the side of the road. And so I go to tornado training, which I don't know if they do in school systems anymore, but they used to when we were there, like they were going to take us every day, like we lived in Oklahoma. And so we get down, and I don't pedal away. I pick up my bike, I throw it on my shoulders, and I start running. <laughs> now you run funny when you cycle because you have to wear cleats. You clip into your pedals, and they're not made like running shoes. So I'm tap dancing my way down the street. I look to my end. I go to like jump in the ditch. I'm about to just lay there and take my chances. And right then, there are power lines running the... Uh, street and they just start going pop, 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 and they start snapping and coming down all around me. I know this does not sound real, and I promise on the word of the Lord, this is exactly what happened. And I look up and I go, Oh my gosh! I get on my bike, I start pedaling as fast as I can. I see my buddy in the distance, he takes a hard left onto a trail, and so I just and I go and I jump on this trail with him, and we ride it through the woods like deep. Deep, deep, deep to grandmother's house we go. And we get back there, and there's a little cabin in the middle of the woods. 
and we just walk up and knock and go, can we please come in, good sir? And standing in front of me is a 300-pound mountain man. And I'm wearing tights and a bicycle helmet, not on a bike. Have you ever worn a bicycle helmet not on a bike? It's not great. And I just go, can we please? And he goes, uh, yeah. And I kid you not, when I left that man's house, we did not know how long we were going to be there. We were there for a couple hours. He said, you know, you're lucky I didn't kill you and kidnap you. And we walked off into the distance. Dead serious. Dead serious. That was my experience. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Sometimes, sometimes, in the face of very powerful things, we do not take them seriously and we do not respond accordingly. Sometimes in the face of either, and it can be great danger, it can be um, huge things on the horizon that, that for us that we need to respond right to and good things will happen. What often happens is when something is very powerful, we have the ability to make light of it and not respond accordingly. In the middle of this huge storm, what every sane person around me, my future wife and my father know is death awaits you miles down the road. But dumb and dumber sit there and go, but it's going to be a great shot. Very powerful. We do not respond accordingly. We almost pay the price. We say that because what is interesting about the crucifixion story, see what us 2,000 years later in church world, and we gather on Easter and we start talking about the cross. We're like, yeah, it's where Jesus died and he died for sins. And we're going to sing songs about it and all these worship moments. But there are plenty of moments to not respond accordingly. Like, there are plenty of people in the crucifixion account that make light of the crucifixion. They make light of what's going around them. To them, to them, it is just another public execution. Which to us, again, sounds like we're like, well, public, but public execution, no, not for them. Just another criminal on a cross. And the way that they respond, the, the, the different things that are happening, there are some people in tears there are some people with no emotions at all. There are some people that mock. There are some people making light of the moment. Like everybody is responding differently. And there are moments in scripture where we don't need to necessarily read ourselves into the passage, but we do need to ask, who would we be in this moment? What are my tendencies? What is my response? I say that because sometimes um, in Christian world, we always want to make every character in the Bible us. Like we like read David and Goliath and we're like, and you're David and you can beat your giants of that mean old football coach that's just too difficult to you. And it's like, no, we're not David. Uh, That's not the case. And we always want to be the heroes in the story. Whatever is the best version, like we always want to be Moses leading people out of the promised land. I want to be a great leader like Moses. It's like, just remember that dude killed a dude and buried him. (laughs) I mean, he did some things. And so characters in the Bible alone are complicated, so let's not get too eager to be like one of them. But we are going to spend the next three weeks looking, going, okay, these people that are surrounding the cross, who am I most like? In what ways do I mirror kind of their response to the cross? So that way I can adjust the way that I see Jesus for it to be appropriate. Because sometimes even in the crucifixion account, there are people that we would maybe commonly want to resonate with, Like we would want, um, even even the criminal that hangs next to Jesus, who Jesus tells him that that very day he will join him in paradise. Even then we're like, yeah, man, I could take being, uh, being the criminal, like owning my sin, but I still get to be with Jesus. 
But tonight, we're going to kind of step in and look at uh, some characters and how they look at the cross and how they respond that don't really have a lot of redeeming qualities. And go, man, is this something that we can have the tendency to do? Are there places in my life that this is how I have responded to Jesus so that way I can adjust and see him accordingly? And so when we look in John chapter 19, um, it's going to be up on the screen. It's in your Bibles. We're going to start reading in 16b. And it says this. Then they took Jesus away. Carrying the cross by himself, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. Um, By the way, should the Lord ever allow me to plant a church, I will call it Golgotha Community Church. It will only be for emo and hardcore kids. I mean, this is just one of the most metal verses in the whole Bible. Anyway, that's a total side note. I just really love that. John 19, 17, I want it tattooed on my back. Anyway, okay. Verse 18. There they crucified him and two others with him. So those are the criminals on either side, with Jesus in the middle. Now Pilate also had a sign made and put on the cross. It said, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Now many of the Jews read this sign because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, don't don't write the king of the Jews, but that he said, I am the king of the Jews. Now, this is a subtle difference. I want to pause real quick, and I just want to talk about this, of what is going on, like the gravity of this moment. We're like, why are the Jewish people getting upset with grammar? It seems like it's like they're entering into the Facebook comments and putting the apostrophe into the Y-O-U-R-E. Like, that looks like kind of what they're doing. But what's happening is this. Remember, seven days later, if you're familiar with the story, Jesus rides into the city on the donkey and they lay palm branches. It's what we call Palm Sunday. They lay down uh, their jackets and they rein him in and they start to treat him like he is a king being ushered in to take over, uh, push out Rome and take over and be the king that they had long awaited for. So they treat him like a king. Now what happens is, is during that seven days, Jesus does what he always does, and he says some things, uh, how you say people don't like very much, okay? He's going into the temples, and, and he's talking about it, and he's like, hey, and all of a sudden, the same Jewish people who were ushering him in are like, kill him. Like, it has changed drastically. And so, and by the way, and that's just how hard scripture is. That's how hard the truth of Jesus is. If, if ever we're, we're sitting here and we're like, ah, oh, this is so easy, just remember Like, just remember, if we ever think Jesus is just this easygoing dude, like, day one, he was being ushered in as king, and he said so many things that people didn't like that they wanted to kill him. I say a lot of things that people don't like. Not yet has anybody actually murdered me. They've thought it. Never actually done. So Jesus does that. Now we're in this crucifixion moment. Remember, they wanted him to be king, but when it didn't look like the king that they wanted, When he did not look like the king that they wanted, that's when they decided to kill him. And so what's going on is Pilate is putting up this person who is being hailed up as king. says, hey, on his his nameplate, on his cross, put king of the Jews. And the Jewish people are so upset that they're like, no, 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 no. Change it to say that he said he was the king of the Jews, but he's not really our king. It's as if they wanted to put up their king in air quotes. They just wanted to step in and go, uh, king, but not really. That's the, the debate of what's going on. Now, Pilate steps in as, as only Pilate can, I can. And in verse 22, it says, Pilate replied, what I have written, I have written. Verse 23, this is where we're going to get into the characters that we're going to look at this week. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and they divided them into four parts, a part for each soldier. And then they also took the tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from the top. 
And so they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to see who gets it. This happened that the scripture might be fulfilled that says they divided my clothes among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. This is what the soldiers did. Now, this is a hard part for us to understand. One, uh, because we're not really a cast lot kind of people. <laughs> That's not language that you use. You don't hang around the lunch table and you're like, you guys want to cast some lots today? It's a great way to get kicked out of that lunch table, right? What's happening is Jesus, right? So you've got this guy. He's dying. He's on the cross. He's got a sign above his head, air quotes, king. And then below him are the soldiers, and they're dividing up his clothes, but then they do something different. Instead of tearing the clothes that are there, they begin to basically gamble or play games for them to see who would win them. And so, like, can you imagine making more light of a situation than playing games at the foot of a public execution? Like, that's weird to do if anybody's dying above you. It's definitely weird inappropriate to be doing it if, if the king of creation is above you. Now, it's not only that. What, what, what happens in this making light? And, and I want to keep leading us in to figure out, well, what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with us? Because we would sit here and go, man, I, man if I was there, oh, I would have been next to Mary, just kneeling next to Mary as she cried and consoling her. I would have been there with Jesus's mother. That's where we want to be, right? I would not be fighting over Jesus's clothes. And so we go, well, you know, what, what's maybe really happening here? And I, I think the best picture for us is this. If you were to go to your favorite sporting event, right, let's say you're a big Cowboys fan and you were to go to a Cowboys game, and at the end of that game, Dak Prescott takes off his jersey and he throws it in the stands and you get Dak Prescott's jersey. And you go and you hang that up in your house and every time your friends come over, you go, oh man, I was at the one game this year that the Cowboys won and this was the jersey I mean, the trades are bad right now, guys. Anyway, but like, this is Dak Prescott's jersey. It's memorabilia. It's memorabilia. It tells the story of where you were at when something historical happened to show off. And I can only imagine what it would be like to be the guard who goes home, who takes that, and when everybody comes over, they're like, yeah, we've done a lot of executions in the past, but do you remember the one that everybody got worked up over politically that there was a lot of emotion over? Do you remember that crazy dude who said that he was a king? These ones are his. It's like a trophy case. And we go, oh, I would never make something that is connected to Jesus a trophy of mine. And what I want to continue to press in is that, that I think that sometimes the way that we don't take what is powerful seriously is that we settle for the things associated with it without taking in all of it. I think that the guys at the cross, they want the things associated with Jesus, but they don't want the real Jesus. And whether it's for negative reasons or whatever, they want the things that were connected to Jesus, but they don't want all of them. And I think for a lot of us, I know for myself, I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for you, I mean, I so often want the things associated with Jesus. And I have to ask myself, do I want the things that are, that are really Jesus? Do I want all of who Jesus is? Do I just want the Christian morality? Or do I, just, do I really want Jesus? Do I, want, do I just want good friends for my kids one day? Or do I just want Jesus? Maybe you feel like you're a really devoted follower. Do you just want some of the legalism that can be associated with Christianity and the goodness but not the grace and the mercy and compassion for your friends that comes with Jesus? Or do you just want the things associated with Jesus, moral rightness, 
safety, maybe. What is it? And y'all, when we settle for things that are associated with Jesus, and we don't want all of them, we miss out on the power that's at hand and the vastness of how big this crucifixion moment is. And so we want maybe Christian culture. We want maybe Christian things, Christian language, Christian youth ministry. But we don't want Christ. So we have to be very careful to not become like the guards. People who want the things associated with Jesus, but not Jesus. Now, what's interesting is all they would have had to do is stand up take a step back and read the sign above his head. And they would have gotten the fullness of what they were dealing with. If they would have just looked up from the things that were associated with Christ and actually looked at Christ, they would have seen the king. And they would have read the sign. This is, this is the king. See, so to want the real Jesus is to want the king. Someone who has lordship all over your life. I have a million conversations that a lot of us struggle in this, and this was me for so much of my walk with Jesus in high school. And, and by the way, when I tell you that, that's not permission to continue on in the way that you were. It's a warning that playing in the street is dangerous. Don't go out. And, and so we sit in there uh, so much, so much. Christian youth ministry world, friends over here, all of the events, all of the camps, all of the worship atmospheres, raising my hands, cry night at fall retreat. But I didn't want to really follow Jesus in the depths of myself. And y'all, that's a worse place to live than just being in rebellion to Jesus. You know why? Because the world is going to hate you either way. They might as well hate you for actually following Jesus, not just for dabbling in the things that are associated with him. Uh, it's just so real. And as, as culture continues to move on like this, and this isn't some culture is the enemy, this, this, and that, but things are going to look different. We look different. And so we might as well really be sold out for Jesus if, if we're not going to have that many fans anyway. We may as well not settle. We may as well ask the question, what does it really look like for Jesus to be the king of my life, to have lordship over every area? He has lordship over my friendships. He has lordship over the way that I do my schoolwork. He has lordship over who I am in the locker room. He has lordship over what I do on the weekends. He has lordship over my internet search history. He has lordship over the way that I talk to my parents. He has lordship over the way that I talk about the gospel in every area that I reach into the city that maybe I do actually proclaim the name of Jesus wherever I go. He's king in all these places. And whatever it is, the thing that, that brings up anxiety, and I know because this happens to me, that when someone starts talking about Jesus being the Lord of my life and starts naming places, I get anxiety about the things that I don't want Jesus to touch. Jesus, don't touch my house. I'm safe. Don't touch my money. That's mine. Don't touch my dreams. Don't touch my goals. They're vaguely associated with you. And, and I have to release and go, no, 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 no. That's his. We walk in and we go, what does it look like for Jesus to be king in all those areas? And so as we get ready for the Easter season, and I, I think that Easter is always so interesting um, for Christians because sometimes it's so much habit and it's so much tradition. Can you imagine? We spend a day a year with all the fanfare and all the celebration celebrating a resurrected person that they died and they came back to life. 
and we can get bored with it. Like what narrative is it that we can get bored of a resurrected person? And not only that, a person, God in the flesh. Like if, if, if anybody, in, like if you came back and, and you, th- th- this happens as grandparents get older and things like that and, and people who you know who are going to pass and you go and you maybe visit them and you have like this last words moment and this last moment with them and they begin to communicate uh, their last moments to you and they go on to pass and then you start to get everything ready for the funeral and you spend the next f- few days getting things ready and a couple days later they were like, just kidding. Oh my goodness. That would change the way that you had dinner with your family next Thanksgiving. You'd be like, you remember Paul? Paul died and he came back. Isn't that crazy? You lose your mind. I know, loud clap. It's okay. You'll be all right. Bony hands. My apologies. I mean, like, that would, and we, we sit there and we're like, Easter Sunday. When do I get to those deviled eggs that we only eat once a year, so they must be phenomenal? Like, listen, man, if you don't make it regularly, it ain't no good. Anyway, well, like, like, come on. And we, we, we can look into the crucifixion, and, and sometimes, y'all, do you know how crazy being a parent is? I'll, I'll walk you into the Malikian home real quick. When we sit at night and we're reading bedtime stories with Emery, that's where we try to do some of our family discipleship stuff, uh, and we sit there and we're reading stories. I'm telling stories to my kid about a guy dying and raising again. Like, that's the world that I live in in Christianity. That's weird. Let's not make light of it. Let's take it for what it is and go, no, 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 he's a king. Because if you make light of it, it just makes us look dumb. They're like, oh, are you a Christian? Yeah, you know, we just worship the guy who died and rose again. It's not a big deal. We just do some things here and there. My Sundays are occupied. This Easter season, don't fall into all of that. Just ask yourself, is Jesus king? Or is he king? He can't be both. And he might as well really be king. Let's not just settle for his garments. Let's worship the man on the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for tonight. We're thankful for the loft. We're thankful for Jesus who comes and dies for us. And before we push all the way into the resurrection, he comes and he dies for us. He comes and he dies for us. Greater love hath no man than this, that he dies for us so that we would be forgiven of sin and we can enter the kingdom of God and enjoy a relationship with you forever. Jesus, if we have not given our lives to that, if we have not made you king in that way, may we do that tonight in our small groups. May we do that tonight with a friend, that we'd enter into the kingdom of heaven and say, no longer I or my friends or my goals or my dreams or my parents or my success, those things are no longer king. Jesus is king, and I want all of him, not just what's associated with him. We love you and we trust you. In Jesus' name I pray.